welcome to the greatest movies of all time podcast. And uh, we're in a special episode. This is, um, we're calling this a pig pickup. No episode numbers to, to, to confuse the listeners. Just diving in. Just, just pig cast. It's a pig cast. It's a pig pickup cast. It's on myself, Jesse, uh, with Gabriel. Hello. Hi. Like you're matching. The, you're matching my energy. I love it. I know. Um, I mean, this, this. I mean, this movie, right? That we're going to talk about shortly. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's 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 got a couple of different like feels to it. Yeah. But one of those, I I, I like. There's a, there's a calmness within sort of the chaos, and and I appreciate that. And so I'm I'm trying to really rein in that that Nick Cage. Enters in. No, you're, you're doing it well. You're doing it well. Um, which was one of my notes. Is sort of the the journey his personality um, goes on throughout that movie, um, and also this episode. This is usually we reserve. So back up a little bit. If you didn't hear our last episode about the Fifth Element um, with long lost friend Derek on there, um, I mentioned Pig as a as a movie I'd watched previously. And Gabriel, you stepped in and said, "Hold up a minute. This deserves a larger conversation." So that was my thought. Right? Yeah, so I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I broke out a nice like mm-hmm. red wine, lowered the lights, yeah. lit some candles. Over here. And so, yeah, got this some is the salted baguette. Man, how appropriate for the show. Um, so that's that's why we're we're here in this episode. So we paused it. This is that greater, that greater, deeper conversation. And typically, um, so thus, that's why not all the fanfare at the beginning of the episode. That's why it's just the two of us. Um, and typically we save these type of episodes as Patreon exclusives. You have to be one of our Patreon tiers to get our sort of breakout side conversation episodes, but our kind of feelings on pig, we just said, let's just make this, a an episode available for all, you know, no Patreon needed. So, I mean, what, what would, what would Robin Feld do? Yeah, he would, you know, WWRFD. Yeah, he, he would, uh. Yeah, you would release it to the public on a cassette tape. That's what we do. So that's our plan. That's our plan today. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk pig in just a minute. Um, we're not going to play a game. There's none of those silly charades in, in this episode. We are, at the end of the episode, though, going to preview October's coming. And we always have big plans for October. Um, October yet to be named um, thematic month of episodes. But we can spill a little bit of the the cauldron to let you know what's coming. We got some things bubbling, some brews. Yeah. Bubbling brews. So we'll share that. And I think also while we're in this mood, we didn't talk about this in the Patreon pre-show, but I do think it's maybe worth mentioning. I know both of us have a, a history and, and a fan base with this particular individual, but we are recording this on the day that we learned that um, Norm MacDonald passed today. That is, yep. Um, unexpected. Yes. Unexpected, uh, very sad. I don't know if m- many of his, though we've mentioned um, Dirty Work and Scrooged, a Scrooge, Scrooge on this on this podcast Scrooge. before, yeah. not Scrooged. Um, That's different. Don't listen, different. we like Bill Murray too. But this, we love talking, Bill Murray. We're not talking Bill Murray, but we've mentioned, um, the, and though Norm popped up in a number of small bit parts th- throughout film, um, I don't know if particularly those films might be considered one of the greats. But I think there is no question in saying Norm MacDonald um, was one of the greats 
um, comedic greats of, of our time. No question. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I'm, I have very, I remember when he took over weekend update. Yeah. Um, and just kind of that, the really absurdist turn that, that, that sketch, that recurring sketch took under his sort of leadership. Um, I've always, I mean, I haven't always agreed with some of the things he said, but I've always appreciated his particular perspective and, and brand of humor. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's just kind of his, yeah, it's like, hey, he does his thing. He has this very unique style of humor and was not worried about kind of being on his own little track. Um, I mean, stuff. It's, 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 it's Bob Dole's been a butter. Yeah, I mean, his Saturday Life characters, weird little things on it. And and I did today, right before this podcast, I pulled up his um, his segment of the Bob Saget roast um, on Comedy Central, whatever he did, which is one of the the more classic out there, like almost like confused, befuddled audience rooms of him doing his his clean jokes for the Bob Saget roast. Making jokes which, about which is like the antithesis of, of what Saget does in stand up, yeah. And we're like what anybody else does in a roast, and he gets up there yeah. and just says, Saget has a face like a flower, a cauliflower, and that's that's the joke. <laughs> so, anyway, <laughs> I mean, it like uh, sad so news, many good. unexpected, but yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, I doubt. We'll, we'll ever get today where we're talking dirty work and something like that in those particular films, but um, still loved his, his work um, and was and was really shocked to see him gone today. So, yeah, kind of quietly battling cancer, apparently. You know, and I, he he has to be in a better place, mm-hmm. um, you know, and not experiencing the pain that comes with you know a, a long battle with cancer. So yeah, like a long time. So I just wanted to throw that out there at the beginning um, because, you know, it's somebody I know that was definitely somebody who was just, as as I was developing my unique sense of humor, uh, an absurdist sense of humor, he definitely played a role in, in shaping that um, at, at that time. So it's definitely a big fan earlier in my life, um, for sure. I just, bit after bit keeps coming back. That's what was, I mean. There was always the... As like Letterman. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Letterman. Like, hey, uh, got the gum. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the got the gum. Throw pencils. His Burt Reynolds. Um, <laughs> Turk Ferguson. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, the recurring, recurring Jeopardy, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. celebrity Jeopardy bits are some always always standouts. So, so anyway, so we'll put that on there. We don't always talk to, about actors who pass, but I, I think I felt he was. In, you know, it's kind of in the moment for that. So before we jump into Pig, though, um, yeah, any kind of movies, anything pop up on your radar in in the last week or two since we've talked? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've watched a couple of things. Um, I'll talk about two specifically. Right. Um, one, I think is a it's a really nice, somber I definitely wouldn't say it's a feel-good comedy, um, but it's it. There's a certain realness to the way this film feels, 
Uh, it is 2021. It's together, together. That's right. It's <laughs> t- together, together. No, it's together. it was on my list of something I'd watched recently. Oh, look at that. Uh, yeah. So this Ed Helms and mm-hmm. Patty Harrison. Yep. Uh, it's uh, written and directed by Nicole Beckwith. Um, it's it's a nice little yeah. comedy. Uh, right. There's nothing mean spirited. There's nothing. You know, Ed, Ed Helms is a guy who's looking for a family, um, but he's he's single, and so he seeks out uh, a surrogate mm-hmm. to have his child, and he finds, uh, you know, Patty Harrison's Canna, character Anna, um, and it's it's really kind of about the process of them sort of becoming friends and and getting to know one another through this surrogacy yeah i mean that's it it's it's fine it was it's also like it's sort of how you picture i mean probably incorrectly but like oh it's kind of at helms it's 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 at helms being at helms a bit is what we picture him to be it was fine like i liked it i enjoyed it um i thought it bright i thought it did some interesting things and kind of that balance between boundaries and friendship and this idea of him of, of her carrying his child and when he would kind of overstep his boundaries and not, but then also the, the maturity of kind of ha- of, of them both struggling with that situation and handling it sometimes well, sometimes not handling it well. I thought it was, um, it was a good little movie. It wasn't anything to write home about, but I think it's streaming free somewhere now on Hulu. I'd rent it. It's on it. Hulu. Yeah. Um, it was, I mean, it, 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 I think it, it debuted on Hulu. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I, I do appreciate kind of what you said, right? The, the getting into those areas of like men overstepping boundaries uh-huh. um, related to a woman's body. Um, and I think this does a decent job of, of kind of showing you where those lines fall and, and how they may seem like gray areas to a father, but ultimately, Right, his respect for her and her autonomy, um, I think is is what you know you walk away with. Um, yeah, it's a, a it it does some some neat things with kind of challenging, uh, like our perceptions of relationships, mm-hmm. and and what connections may or may not be. Um, yeah, I. Hey, yes. Not not gonna not gonna win any awards for uh, best comedy. Uh, no. Not not gonna make any end of year best film list. But uh, yeah, you could spend an hour and thirty minutes of your time watching a a, a lot less well made film. Yeah, no, like I said I didn't even at the time realize it was on like Hulu at the time, and I just ended up renting it for like three bucks and. Didn't regret even renting it for $3 and then finding out, oh, it's on Hulu. And I was like, oh, okay, whoops. But it was still good. I still enjoyed my time. And I think you, you got to scan all those streaming services. Listen, there's a lot of streaming services out there. And you, you know where the money is. It's, it's in creating a, a single app that yeah. like tells you. Because you you know what? The, the Amazon Fire interface is shit at telling you where things are streaming. Mm-hmm. Like It's really bad. Um, 
But if you just yeah. if you created a one stop shop where you could aggregate where everything is streaming and it's, and it's accurate because I do the yes. same thing I use I use Apple TV Plus or whatever and mm-hmm. it typically tells you it'll say open in like open in Hulu open in yes or yeah. rent it and it it did not tell me that hey it's in Hulu because I scroll down open in and it says no you can just rent it for three dollars and I was like okay I'll just rent it for three bucks I feel like more often than not and, and we've talked about mm-hmm. you know former sponsor of the show Hulu and their shit interface. Yeah, that's why we had to walk um, away from them. But the money was good, but it wasn't worth it, so we had to walk away. But they tend to be the service most often left out of yeah, those like right. where to other ways to watch or where to watch mm-hmm. now. Um but yeah, I, I think if if somebody can figure out how to keep a real time you know database of where these and that's the thing that's sometimes not accurate all the time it tells me like hey this is i'm not a coder so somebody listening wants to steal this idea reach out to me i'm I'm happy to not well i mean you're not gonna pay me anyway so it doesn't matter but happy to work with you (laughs) that's my thing Um, yeah it's like yeah three bucks i'll just rent it i won't search through all my platforms same thing like i won't go grab a disc off the shelf i'll rent it real quick we're good I think it depends. So for me, it really depends on format. Yeah, yeah. And it's it like if I know I have it in a higher res format, I'm gonna I'm gonna make that little bit of effort to get off the couch <laughs> and go the grab the disc, go find it. Yeah, put that piece of physical media in the player because I do know that my audio and video experience is gonna be no, a it's lot better. more. Like it, it's gonna be more true to the 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 sound and picture oh, um, yeah, no that I should be getting because you always get those weird, you get some compression. And it's, I found out this weekend uh, that through watching sports, sports yeah. on, uh, on one app and then switching to another app that the audio compression on the app that I use most free, like more frequently mm-hmm. is insane. Like, it, I had to literally turn the volume up drastically on my receiver to hear uh, sound, whereas then I, when I would flip back to the other app, it was it was overbearingly loud. Wow, yeah. So, yeah. So, physical, there, that's a plug for physical media. Physical media. Um, get, it, get it while you can. When and if you have it. Get it um, while you can. Yeah. The, uh, I don't I don't think you can even buy those things at Best Buy anymore. And it stopped selling. Uh, so the other film I saw, and that, that again, that was 2021, mm-hmm. uh, together, together, streaming free on Hulu. Um, I did also watch a film called The Loved Ones okay. from 2009. I believe it, I believe it was actually released in 2012. I think it was finished in 2009. Um, this is an Australian film uh, written and directed by Sean Byrne. And this is a it's a horror film. Yeah, the cover looks uh, like it. More than anything else. Uh, stars Xavier Samuel, Robin Levy, uh, John Brompton, and in some other smaller parts. Of this this is a I I really like this movie, but it's it's most definitely a rough watch. Um, it is it's an 
it, I could see this being off-putting uh-huh. um, to some, but it's on the surface, right? We're we're talking about a scenario where we, you know, we have a main character who has experienced some pretty severe trauma, um, in losing his father, uh, you know. I think right around the age of 16, he was he was learning to drive. His dad was in the car. He wrecked the car, resulting in his father's death. Uh-huh. And so he since that event, he's sort of just he's lived with this trauma. He's been like he's withdrawn from most other folks in his school. Uh, but it, this this girl's sort of latches onto him um his his name is brent um you know uh her name is lola she invites him to prom and he turns down her offer uh she and her father then proceed down this wildly violent path um of revenge um of of hosting their own psychotic prom Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, this is this is the film cover. that continues, and, and I say that because I don't think that really gives anything away. Because yeah, the insanity tends to just continue to ratchet up from there. Um, I not not going to be for everybody, uh, but if if you are into you know teens in peril, mm. but like very bloody violent uh for psychological and physical horror um it's i think it's worth a watch i think it's it's a solid film from a okay. well, i believe this was sean burns first uh yeah it's his first feature film um i would say yeah it, I can't highly recommend this, yeah. but I, 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 you know, if 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 you're into to horror that kind of potentially could be physically off-putting, but also challenges you a little to determine if 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 you can, yeah, I it's it's rough. I got it's, 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 it's rough, but it's I rough. enjoyed it. It's, yeah, now I'll see if it. You know, October's coming. There's a lot of movies to be watched in October, so. Maybe I'll, I'll get around to it. I've seen the cover before, like the prom dress with the um, the dress with the uh, like drill in her hand, like the electric, yeah, electric yeah. Drill. And I, I I do think the all so as off putting as the film can be at times. I do think part of the reason why it's off putting is because the acting is so solid. Um, every everyone plays these these characters in a manner that seems befitting of of kind of who they are um it's it's like a weird there's almost like these texas chainsaw elements to it um you know around family and it it's hard to describe that's i I should have just said that up front and describe, not yeah. attempted to. It, it is a difficult film to describe. All right. Yeah. The loved ones. Yeah. What about you? Other than together, together. Well, yeah, together, together was on my list. So I'll cross that one off. Um, no, just two other quick ones. Um, 
from HBO Max. Trying to get my, my most out of that subscription service. Um, one, I, I can't really recommend. I mean, maybe you'll like it. Maybe some people like it. But I watched... What, Space the, Jam, A New Legacy? Still, still haven't got around to that one. Still haven't got around to it. It's weird. <laughs> Don't know if I will. No, the Hugh, Jack, the Hugh Jackman, Re- Rebecca um, Ferguson reminiscence film. It's rough for me, at least. I didn't, I didn't dig it. It's this sort of weird noir, you know, film noir set in the near future Miami that's flooded, dealing with this Inception Minority Report style gimmick of, oh, you, you know, we can kind of access your dreams and your memories to relive moments. Some of it's used to solve crime. Some of it's used to help you find your car keys. And um, I don't know. I just really didn't. It just was like kind of. It felt like a slog to get through. I, I didn't like stylistically. I appreciated it, but just the movie and the world itself. I was just really having trouble connecting with it. I just didn't connect with it. I don't think it's a bad movie. It just wasn't my movie. So it's it's funny. You I, that's one that I put on, and about. 15, 20 minutes and I was like, I, I don't know if I can watch this. Um, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I don't know, like that. Hugh Jackman does great stuff sometimes, but sometimes Hugh Jackman to me, I always get the vibe. I'm like, oh, you couldn't get the person you wanted to be in this film. Um, so you got Hugh Jackman. And that's that, just that the vibe happen. I got. That has happened. <laughs> that has happened before. <laughs> so, um, I, can, yeah. I can think of at least one film that I, I genuinely love that that yeah. happened. So I don't know. It's it's not his fault either, but it's it's you're right. It's like five or ten minutes into this film, you're like, whoa, all right, this is gonna be. I don't know if I, I I can do this. So stylistically, it's kind of fun to watch and look at, but as for if you're really trying to like latch onto this movie, it just also gets when it becomes this other film of trying to track down this lost woman who's disappeared. Um, it just gets convoluted for convoluted sake and you don't I just some of it just I don't know like there's one scene this you know the bad guy the antag you know, I don't know he's like sitting in a warehouse in Miami somewhere I'm like when Hugh Jackman finds him and I'm like has this guy just been sitting in a warehouse with nothing to do until Hugh Jackman walks in like it just well, it, I couldn't well, understand this world he had to clean up after the Pitbull concert that happened in that warehouse but I don't know and, like and so he was just there. Like, he owned the warehouse. He's like, I had to make sure the cleaning crew cleared up all the stuff from the pistol. This, this, this was a dirty, rundown warehouse. So <laughs> the cleaning crew didn't I mean, do well. So I, anyway, think Pit, I think Pitbulls performed in a Walmart parking lot. So a, a dirty, rundown warehouse you know, is not beneath Mr. 305. On Mr. the one Worldwide. side, you want to support and champion these sort of higher budget films that are trying to do something a little bit different than be a superhero movie or whatnot, but they still have to be good films. And, you know, you don't always get the ribbon or a trophy for effort for just doing it. So that was my struggle with it. Yeah. Oh, I want this to be good, but it's like, because it's something different and it's high, you know, it's a big budget film, but it's just blah. Yeah, some, some, I literally, I got this vibe from it about 15, 20 minutes. And I was like, this is going to be a jumbled mess. Mm-hmm. Was. That was, I, and I don't know why that, but I was like, I'm going to turn this off because I don't think I, I think if I watch this right now, I'm going to genuinely hate it. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can see hate coming. Um, so that's reminiscence. I see, you know, it's it's definitely a free Saturday afternoon watch if, if you're looking for something to watch on, hey, on HBO While you're Max. occupied with something else yeah, and while you just need stuff on. Cleaning the house or something. And the other one I won't go too much in because I think you mentioned it recently on a podcast, I believe. But I did finally get around to watching No Sudden Move um, with Benicio Del Toro and Don Cheadle and, and, and the gang. Um, I liked it. I, and I didn't love it, but I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was just nice to see some really great acting, um, and yeah, kind of, you know, it, it kind of waned on me a bit at times. Like I wasn't like enthralled the whole time, but sure. just, just the movie and the world it presented, I was like, oh, this is definitely a, a, a good movie. Um, you know, I, my biggest complaint, it's like, um, Sodenberg, like, I don't know what you're doing with that weird wide angle fish lens anamorphic thing. Um, you know, it would just pull me out of it often because it's like everything sort of any wide shot is a weird fisheye lens thing. Um, and I'm like, I don't know. Do I need to see this on IMAX? Like, I don't know. Like, do I, am I not seeing this on, <laughs> does my like 65 inch TV not big enough to really appreciate what, what he's doing here? No. Um, no, I, 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 I remember, I remember what you're referencing, right? There, there, there are some odd choices made with some of the wider shots. Um, it's like a weird lens. And I was, for a minute, I even thought about like, I didn't do it, but I almost picked up my remote control. Like, do I need to change my aspect ratio somehow on my TV? Like, what do I, am I in the wrong <laughs> setting? Do I have something on here that's not right? No, have but, that weird but, dynamic motion blur, you know, that gives that yeah. weird fake um, extra frames per second, which you, you, you don't, you're not supposed to use for your film. You know, it's like, oh, is it on like 60 frames for some reason? Like, let me, what's going on? Um, and it just felt like the stylistically that also didn't fit the period piece for this film. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I thought with everything else, like the set design, the costuming, just all of that was spot on. You know, the the sort of subtle focus on you know on, on the automobiles and just just the presenting the time was perfect and yeah, it was just weird yeah. that a weird camera lens was distracting for me at least it might not be for others but for me it was totally distracting <laughs> i yeah i i for me i this was this was all about the performances it mm -hmm, was about mm -hmm. the pacing um I mean, it, Soderbergh does well with these kind of like, you know, crime dramas. Um, I mean, the the first couple of like Oceans, yeah, the Oceans movies, Oceans films, right? Uh, he he's good with this. Oh no, and yeah, I, no question. And and you know, Del like Del Toro and, oh, and Del Toro are just, both at just. They're they're nailing shit the way they often mm -hmm. do. I did think, in particular, I mean, David Harbour's terrific in this, yeah, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. John Hamm, um, solid, like incredible. Brandon Fraser, like, is fantastic. Oh, yeah, well. yeah, no, yeah. Um, but the like the the interior lighting mm -hmm. and the way that the shots and different like, you know, the the scenes in the the suburban home. Right versus the scenes 
um, where they're they're kind of like in um, where, wherever it is they go towards the end of the film to have the conversation uh, with like oh that hotel that hotel banker. yeah it's a hotel that's yeah, what it yeah, it's like yeah. a conference room in a hotel um, yeah it's kind of a fancy conf- conference room with uh, yeah I'm a, I'm a little further removed from this than you mm-hmm. uh, yeah. but I just I thought that all of that the set design, the costuming, everything felt very much of the time. No, like I said, all that was spot on. It was great. Yeah. And I even loved it, like, from the second, yeah, like, like, right when it started, it's just, like, an extended scene of Don Cheadle walking down the street. Um, and and even when I watched that, when it started, I'm like, oh, wow, this is like a movie. Uh, only because, <laughs> only because so many films... Like styles have changed, and like the way we we set up films and we introduce films, and and even sometimes films feel a bit like television series, and television series feel a bit like films. Like you know, there's been a blurring of way we do things. Yeah. This just felt like, oh, this is a movie. This is like just old school, well done, crafted, put together film. Um, and, and just in that first few minutes of just the tracking shot of of, of him walking briskly down the street. So I enjoyed it. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't love it. Knows love what it. he's doing. Yeah. But, right? like, but I, he but knows I what he's it. doing. Yeah. And yeah. that's the same thing. He has a reason why he chose that, that lens repeatedly. Um, it just didn't click. It didn't click. The one, one shot I'll end on this one shot that really worked. I think it's later in the film. Um, what is it? Ray Liola, Liotta. He's at his yeah. house It at the, at his like desk. His wife is in another room in the kitchen at the sink. Like, fixing dinner finishing dinner and the shot worked really well because it kind of wrapped around the two rooms and it was a nice like oh, i really appreciate that but other times it just felt um odd so um but i'm sure you had his reasons that are just beyond me that i don't have the the, the scope or knowledge to appreciate or understand and you know it's um, it's it's like asking yeah. that owl like how many how many lists does it take to get the center of the tootsie roll tootsie roll like i mean who, the, who, who am i to say that i'm just saying for me it, it, it's made me scratch my head. It made me a why. Why did Soderbergh choose that lens yeah. for certain wide shots? The world he, has, never he has a reason, and it might even be referencing some films or some some things, and that I'm I'm oblivious to and ignorant to, and that's on me. So it's above it's above my pay grade. It, well. it definitely is. It definitely is, and I'm sure Sandusky will send me. Now that I've said these things out loud, they'll send me a little memo and say, "Don't make these mistakes again." And like here's a critiques. cease and desist letter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Never speak again <laughs> of Soderbergh's, of Soderbergh's directorial choices. <laughs> so anyway, that was uh, that was no sudden move um, for me. But anyway, oh, it's a, yeah, it's a fun, I mean, it's a fun movie. Like it's it is, a it fun is. like crime drama. You know, it it's you you get those scenes where you realize like okay, these people are playing each other against what like they're they are no, all out fun. for their own best interest, right? Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. If you're expecting double cross, you'll get it. Um, so anyway, yeah, Pig. Pig. Our, um, Pig. our reason for the this tw- special Patreon cast. Yeah. The, man. You know, this may be the greatest bait and switch trailer of all time. Yeah. Um, I mean, this, but- is, this is a 2021 release that was filmed in 2019. Uh, when you watch the trailer for this film, it sets up this, it's like, oh, shit. This is like weird 
like recluse woodsman nick cage john mm-hmm. wick revenge story right yeah that's not what you get no it's not what you get at, not all. What you get at all but, but what is funny it's, it's 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 a bit of bait and switch you're right but i don't even think i think it's more on just the general public and our you know like I said, they didn't do anything too heavy-handed to say like oh there, there's no misleading here in this trailer it's. I think we as a public put that on it. Well, because we're conditioned. Like we yeah. saw the trailer for Nobody. We've seen all mm-hmm. the John Wick trailers. Like we've seen all these revenge story trailers. And I mean, I guess they're. Yeah, you're right. I mean, what? But but I, I say to your point, right? I agree with you. I don't think it is a bait and switch, but yeah. yeah. I think they knew exactly what they were doing. No, but by leaving the line in, like, I want my pig or where's my pig, like, yeah. that's all you need to say. Like, you end on that, it's the, oh, shit, it's going to go down. He's going to get his right. pig. Right. I mean, this man is going to kill people for this pig. <laughs> yeah, because that's the thing. The trailer, I've, I've, I saw the trailer. I think it was, I saw the movie Zola in the theater. And Pig was the trailer um, for Zola. Mm-hmm. And half the audience was cracking up at this trailer. You know, it was, oh, this is going to be a riot. This is going to be great. Um, can't wait to see this this cage match of Nick going out to get his pig. And busting they're, they're like, oh, man, more more <laughs> just, like, maximum cage. Like, yeah, cage no, people were laughing in the, the theater top. at simply this, like, I want my pig. And whatever he says there in that trailer. And you're right. It's I, I, I agree with you. That part there is intentional of we know what we're doing. Yeah. With this, but at the same time, it's like if you watch it now, knowing what the film is, you're like, oh no, it's a straightforward presentation of what this film is. It it it's very easy to see that in retrospect. Yeah, right? <laughs> in the but, rear view mirror, it makes yeah. sense. <laughs> um, but I think I think that also fit tonally that trailer and, and kind of the way you then come back to it and say like, oh wow, no, mm-hmm. that does fit, and it, they they didn't mislead me. I think it 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 totally fits the film itself, mm-hmm. right? I mean, this is a film that starts out feeling like it's going down one particular path and then takes a very different turn. Um, but it doesn't feel jarring or, or off-putting or out of place. Um, I mean, this it, so it, we we gave the the weird like. Hey, here's here's what you thought this film was. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, this is ultimately a film about it's about existence. It's about the pain of human existence and how important it is to to allow yourself to feel the things you feel and to feel love, regardless of what that love may be for. Um, it's it's about memories and mm-hmm. and the things that the things that happen in our life that change our paths our, our paths and in, in, in the directions we go. Um, it's it's kind of this like neat and and really interesting like morality tale and more mortality tale. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean both of those. Uh, and it, it centers around, you know, a man living in the, the wilds of Oregon 
uh, with his, his truffle pig and she gets kidnapped mm-hmm. and sort of sets him out on this, this adventure back into, you know, we don't know this up front, but it sets him back. It sets him off on this adventure back into the world. He left, he chose to withdraw himself from. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the movie. that's a wrap we but 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 then also kind of with that you know played by alex wolf with this sort of younger you know he's probably what 20 something in this film sure you know but just this other person who's trying to find his footing in this world that that um this man has already chosen to he's chosen to walk away from and he's like desperately trying to um establish himself in this world um partly in the shadow of his father um as well but um and so this yeah, is it's also it's this a, sort of like father son guide tale m- movie thing too well it's it's this it's this interesting dichotomy of of you know age and wisdom versus youth mm-hmm. and vigor right um uh, alex i think this is as much as I love Alex Wolf, and I think he's done tremendous work in his young career, this may be his best role. No, I, I agree with that. I think it's if you look at it, depending on which side you want to look at it from, it's like who gave the better performance. It's like yeah, Nick Nick Cage's performance is really great in his delivery, his his presence. Um, like you were saying at the beginning of the podcast, it's sort of channeling your internet nick cage in this movie of how he presents himself and how he almost like slowly opens back up to society you know nicholas cage's character is very um reserved and quiet the first chunk of this film but then as he's returned to portland more and more he opens up more and more and speaks more and more and and, and says things um so his performance is great but alex wolf on the other thing he's just like the master of reactions in this film yeah um just his facial expressions alone reacting to Nicholas Cage, reacting to his father by Adam, um, his, um, by Adam Arkin, just him, anybody he experiences, just the way he holds his shoulders and presents himself. You can tell it's, it's a kid who's just trying to get, get a rep, get a reputation um, for something other than being his father's son. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, he's, he's not the only, like, I think there's a lot of really great, physical acting in this film uh, in body language or facial expressions reacting to mm-hmm. someone else's someone else's delivery of lines right um it, it and, and it, we'll we'll get into this but i mean in particular there's a scene in the second act um where you know nick cage's character is talking to a chef at a restaurant and and the the facial acting in that scene, along with the the nervous energy and the giddy, the the nervous, um, just deflecting laughter. Um, no, it, it, like I just, I I think there's so much nuance in this film that each time I watch it and I see these performances, it's a little disjointed, right? Overall, like there there are these kind of like jarring changes of setting but i i don't think 
I don't think the way the story is told is jarring at all. I think it it does fit the purpose of of what the story is ultimately about. No, I agree. It's it might be a little jarring, but I, I almost looked at it as you know I watched it a couple times too, and now as my memory of this film sits with me, uh, my viewings, I just have like a series of it's, it's you know it's just, it's like a little series of scenes. Um, that all piece together to tell the story. Yeah, it breaks it into the three parts. It's told in three parts. Um, but with no real dramatic time period in between the parts. It's just like tonally things have changed a bit. And it, yeah. it's, it's moving to another act. But but even with that, even within those acts, yeah, there are these... I think you could just... You can really see the the chunks of scenes. And it's like, well, here here's the scene we're going to have. And yeah, it might get a little disjointed to get to the next scene that we're going. Um but but I think it all works beautifully because it's just it's telling a story. It's almost like thinking about if it was a book or a short story, it would work really well because you would just go to the next, not even chapter. You know, skip three lines, three lines of blankness, and you're going to the next little part, and you're you would just pick up and, and roll with it. It 100% feels like a short story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it. But it. But, I mean. Uh, so to be fair, right? I mean, this film clocks in at an hour and twenty, hour and thirty-two minutes. Yeah. And I mean, if you account for like credits, right, and the the opening, <laughs> the opening title cards that go through the twenty-five production companies that were involved in, in making this small film, I mean, you're really talking about less than ninety minutes of actual film. Mm-hmm. And that's usually a bad sign yeah. when you're talking about a drama. Yeah, they had to cut it down, um, get it tight, get it done. But it, like, this is so it's so it's so tightly wound and woven, and it 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 just work it works it works from beginning to end. Like, so let's back up a minute and and let's we've got this guy right. We've got Nick Cage's here. I want to. Can we do this in like characters and sure. kind of talk yeah. about these arcs and and how these things fit together? Um, you you have the Nick Cage character, and we just meet him as Rob. We don't mm-hmm. know his backstory. We don't know right like who this man is, other than he is a man in the woods. He seems unkempt, unwashed. Uh, he seems to be at home, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in this reclusive environment you know, with his, his truffle pig. pig. Um, and I'm trying to, I, do you recall the, the pig's name? I don't know if they ever give us the pig name, do they? And I, th- I thought I heard him call pig or something or. I feel like at one point they said, I, I want to say, I think. The pig's name may be Apple, but I, I could okay. be wrong. Well, because that's one um, thing I, I'll say. This one, I'm pacing out. The one thing I liked about the film is the pig taking the pig heist happens. It's like in the first five minutes. It's like it's quick. Yeah. It's yeah. like we're well, not going to we're not going to linger on this. It's just like it's here. It's so you know what's going to happen. First, it's happening. So act one of the film, right, is is basically like 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, from start to finish. So I only say I, that I, to see, like say he might have said it once or twice, like at the very beginning, like when they're 
getting a truffle. Right. And so, so they go, it shows him he's out. Like he comes back, he gets the pig, takes the pig out into the woods. She, she finds mm-hmm. the, and, and ruts for the mushrooms. He comes back and in the first art, like the first part of the film, part one, so it's mushroom tarp. Mm-hmm. Right. And we get to watch him in his rustic setting, like craft this, he crafts pastry dough. Like mm-hmm. he crafts a pie dough. Um, and over an open flame, right? Like using what seems to be a, a, a homemade knife, um, <laughs> right? Like just cook these mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And there's something very engrossing. I, I mean, full disclosure, I absolutely, I cooking is catharsis to me. I mm-hmm. love food. I love to cook. Um, but there's something very serene and cathartic about watching this process um of someone craft something that that clearly is made with i mean if he's using mushroom like if he's using high-end truffles mm-hmm. or chanterelles or, or any sort of foraged you know gourmet mushrooms right you're gonna pay for those in a grocery store or a restaurant wherever you if you want to mm-hmm. go get black truffles i mean you're talking three to four hundred dollars a pound mm-hmm. In a grocery store. Uh, and this man crafts this tart that he eats, but not only does he eat this thing that he makes with his, his hands, he feeds it to his pig. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, and, and that that is this, the, you know, if you think about the art of like crafting a meal and sharing it with others, like that is an act of love. And And so that's what we see. That's our first like, five to seven minutes of this film 10 minutes maybe and we get a feel with very little dialogue you know of who this man is like what what he what his relationship is to this pig um what his relationship to amir is right and then then the trauma occurs the 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 pig is napped yeah um i just i love that setup mm-hmm. and I, I love the way we see this kind of closed off reclusive man that nick cage is playing in rock right it's he doesn't even want to really engage with amir other than here i'll sell you my no, troubles yeah, yeah. Doesn't even talk but to it's really. it's like i i don't i'm not much on conversation i don't want to to engage in these types of things, I just want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great opening too. It's it's and even the way you get introduced to him, Amir in um, Alex Wolf's character, and you know he drives up in a the complete opposite, right? A super fancy yellow he sports in a car. Camaro, yeah, a canary yellow Camaro in his suit he's like shooing the pig away like get away from me don't get away don't, don't touch me don't get near me um also you know hearing you know classical music blaring from his his car as well like and then we learn later that he's also listening to tapes of how to appreciate classical music <laughs> so it's, it's it's these things of i'm just playing a part uh, i'm just trying to do what i think i need to do um to be to be respected. I mean, in Nick, Nicholas Cage, Rob later even says to him in the car, like, 
oh, so you picked this car, you picked this jacket, whatever. He's commenting on his like yeah. his choices. He's like, oh, so oh, so you you made this choice. <laughs> These are things you picked out, um, which I well, think and, is also and, a, a great contrast uh, of of the two worlds and the two characters. Uh, that like that dichotomy mm-hmm. of Amir and Rob. Uh, knowing what we find out about Rob later on, right, and the fact that he comes from like this this world of high-end cuisine and, and yeah. you know, high-end restaurants as a chef. Uh, this is a man who, on the surface, looks very unrefined and, 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 and rustic, and yet he's preparing what, has, what, what is essentially, like, mushrooms have to be treated very delicately. Like, mm-hmm. they're, they're a delicate ingredient. Um, to properly cook them and season them and then to put them into a tart where you're going to further, right, cook them. Uh, it requires skill. It, mm-hmm. it requires refinement. And Amir is presenting this, like, external, you know, this facade of refinement. Yeah. And it, he's very rough. Like, he's very unpolished. Like, and, and we get to see his cooking prowess, right? Yeah. Uh, in, in Act 2... Um, where he he attempts to make his mother's uh, French toast, and he's like, "I think I'm not very good at this." Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he wants to work in this this world. I, I just there's so I, I feel like that's how this film progresses, and and that's that's how we 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 get these characters. It's in presenting a dichotomy. Mm-hmm. It's it's looking at the world through two lenses, and it's like, are you buying into and participating in the bullshit? Or are you over it? And it's it's age versus youth. It's it's flash versus substance. And and there's, honestly, it it's fascinating to me. Yeah, no, it really is. And and speaking on just some of the, I think the other third element in that, and just kind of thinking of the characters, and you know their path and their their journey. Um, and the performances, I also think Adam Arkin, who, you know, he does a fine job in, in things he pops up in, to television shows, movies here and there. But Adam Arkin in this movie is, he's he's captivating in this. And just the way he presents himself, the, you know, the he's way menacing. he talks. No, he is, but in the way he just like, but then also like, but then channels the pain that he's also carrying that sort of has shut him off from the world as well in a way, or this has shut him off emotionally from his his own son, um, and and really people in general because we only ever see him in his nice big wonderful house by himself, um, never around any other people, um, but just his his. The way he speaks, holds his glasses, takes them off his face, the way he interacts with Nicolas Cage when they have that discussion about the pig and where the pig yeah. might be. Um, it's just, like I said, Arkin blew me away just as much as Cage or Wolf did in this. Yeah. Um, as well. All of the small performances are fantastic. Uh, you, you've got, you know, David Nell as. Uh, Chef Derek Finley, mm-hmm. right? Um, who is the chef at Eurydice, which is like the hot new Portland restaurant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By, by the way, all this takes place in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. 
um, just outside of Portland. Once he gets in, like they go into the city, it's all in Portland. Um, but it, going back to like Cage's progression, you know, we he starts out, he's withdrawn, he's uncommunicative, he doesn't have much to say. As he becomes more and more desperate, and he realizes that Amir is willing to help him in trying to to find like you start to get a feeling like Amir understands like he may be part of why this mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. right to Rob. Um, but as they get to the hotel Portland, which this is the, the most bananas thing. And it feels very metaphorical. Um, thinking back to my days of working at restaurants and the service industry, I mean, you know, the people in the service industry don't have underground fight clubs. What? Uh, I, I, I would assume. Uh, no. I, I don't, I've never <laughs> been never a part of one. It. Uh, <laughs> no, this is definitely... also, the, this is the closest thing to, to kind of feed, feed into that John Wick, um, yeah. vibe that people are hoping, Oh, here's the fight club. Here's the underground service industry fight club. Here we go. Um, but you're right. Yeah, this is I, the most bananas part of the movie. And it, it's, but it, it, Again, I think this gets into metaphorical commentary mm-hmm. on just how cutthroat and salacious and toxic the world of high-end restaurant, like the, like that world of the high-end restaurant. There's that. We, we start yeah. to hear these stories come out, right? They, it was Mario Batali. It was it was who. There have been it's it's time and time again we find out that these big name chefs that right they, their restaurants are being run in in ways that are stifling and authoritative and and so it's that dichotomy of of uh, I keep using the word mm-hmm. but there's always it's two sides of things it's the outward appearance versus what what the reality of the inward is yeah and I think. That's what that really, because that, that is the most jarring sort of seemingly out of place sequence. It is. It is in the whole film. And and like I said, and, and some of it's like you said, metaf- obviously it's in there for a reason, metaphorically and all this. Um, but it is the thing that I know snatches some people out or lets them down because they think they're going to get their Fight Club moment, and it's just Nick Cage taking punches. Um, yeah. Which then, by the way, you have to watch a bloody Nick Cage the rest of the film. Um, it's like, dude, take a shower, wash your face. It's quick. Oh, it's quick. So, <laughs> so that that's what that is a note I wrote down. Yeah. It's like from the first attack when he he's attacked mm-hmm. um, by the the people hired to steal the pig, um, which I, I think at some point they were referred to as tweakers, but they do have names. It's Bree yeah. and Scratch. Oh yeah, uh, good, good tweaker names. But uh, it, it's. Like he at no point does he bother to worry about his own physical appearance or his own health, right? And and I, I view that as you if you go through the progression of the film, it's like, no, this is this is commentary on like what the world does to people. Yeah, right. And, like and, it, yeah, it, and, it and, piles on, it beats you down, it bloodies you, it bludgeons you, and regardless of whether or not you can go and physically shower yourself off, those scars remain. Yeah. Right. Like those, those things, those death by a million cuts. In this case, maybe it's a baseball bat or. Mm. 
no, several it, punches for well over a minute. Um, and his character is definitely a character who's just been kind of, you know, emotionally has, has, has carried all those scars because he's a he's a character as he speaks more about his sort of views on the world is everything is nothing matters everything goes away you know the critics don't matter this doesn't matter eventually the north the northeast the northwest is going to be underwater um the earthquakes are going to hit like there's a little bit of like doomsday or talk in, in in his speech as well well he's he's traumatized and depressed mm-hmm. yeah he's a man who's He's a man who he invested in the artificial world. Like, yeah, and it he spent all this time building up a name in an industry where, at a moment's a, a turn of a hat, right, you can lose all credibility, you can lose your livelihood, you can lose your restaurant, right, you can lose what what defines you if that's what you allow to define you. Yeah, and. The natural world, right? And and so he he he's someone who's removed himself from that because he's seen the damage it does, right? He he watched he watched what happened, and and you get this spoiler alert. Um, we find out why he is the way he is. We find out that he lost his wife, mm-hmm. right? Um, just and and we find out that that was. a a galvanizing moment for him right it's he has all these memories like he 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 has this ability this uncanny ability to latch on to sensory memory and and know instinctually like oh this is a food you ordered or Mm -hmm. this is someone i worked with for two months and and that's that is that scene where he's talking to uh you know, Chef Fenway, uh, mm-hmm. played by by David Nell, like that is that to me is like one of the defining scenes of the film. Oh no, I agree. I agree. Right? He he mm-hmm. gets the lunch seat at Eurydice, which is impossible to do mm-hmm. because of Alex Wolf's character's uh, Amir's ability to kind of leverage. He realizes the power that. Robin Feld's name holds yeah. in Portland, even mm-hmm. 15 years after yeah. right, he's left the industry. And, you know, you, you get the speech, you know, where he, he tells the guy, he's like, yes, I remember you. You worked for me for two months. Yeah. You, wanted to open you kept overcooking the pasta. Yeah. That's why I fired you. But when I fired you, I asked you what you wanted to do. You know, and he he looks this guy dead in his face who has like the hottest restaurant in Portland, and he's like, "Critics aren't real. The customers aren't real because mm-hmm. this isn't real. You aren't real, Derek. Why do you care about these people? They don't even know you because you haven't shown them. Every day you'll wake up and there will be less of you, right? And he breaks this man down like." Mm-hmm. in just a few words because he remembers he remembers who this man said he wanted to be yeah right and he closes it with we don't get a lot of things to really care about and then he asks him Derek who has my pig yeah where's my pig <laughs> right and and just that haunted giggle mm-hmm. And the facial mm-hmm. reaction to these words 
And then he, he talks to him. He says, you know, what did you say you wanted to do? They wanted to own a pub. Mm-hmm. I said, why don't you own a pub? I said, well, they're not, they're not popular. It's not the thing. That's not the way to go. So what would be your signature dish? And with n- no hesitation, Chef Finway is like, it would be this, I forget, it's like a curried scotch egg or something. Yeah, he blurted out real quick. He knows it. Like, mm-hmm. often, like, he remembers that conversation. And that, to me, is it, it that conversation just, it's, it's a micro insight, like this, this, this succinct picture of what happens to so many people in this system you yeah. have this clear vision of what you want to be what your dream is what you want to define you and you let it go because of what society defines around you as success yeah no i i, I agree with all. i think the other piece the really thing that stuck with me too is um I mean, there's stuff near the the third act and the ending that I think is I, I think it's I think if one hasn't seen it, like it's you know it, it makes it all come together well, but 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 I think you know, earlier on when talking about memory, too, it's just and I looked at some of it. Yeah, Nicholas Cage's character Rob has this impeccable memory. He remembers everything. I remember every person I ever served, every meal I ever cooked. Um, but, but also much kind of like the Fight Club scene-esque thing right it's 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 another one of the things yeah his character has this impeccable memory and of, of sensory and experiences um but i just felt it was just like this great this little commentary just about memories we have of of our lives and our experiences or or things like right he did the fight club thing to also he was able to move his work his way back his name still meant something 15 years later um because of people's memory of this person Right. And, um, and, and, and even like in my, and that's something that connected with me because even in my own life, having a brief spent, you know, brief stint in, in the food industry with a restaurant and knowing some of the local chefs in my town, um, you know, their names mean something and, and it opens doors no matter what, like, you know, there's a couple chefs I know and it's, and just by association you go places. So I felt, um, that was just a little interesting piece and in, even with the fight club scene of, of a way to say oh this is this is a, a somebody and he got to do all this well things. i mean like uh, like let's blow let's blow that up and and make it large mm-hmm. right and i mean that, that that's the reality of the world yeah names mean things like who you know is more valuable than what you know yeah and that was and that's where we saw with alex wolf's character just so desperate to just be somebody and to think um that that's what he needed and 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 he's being He's being escorted throughout this movie by a person who rejected all that um, upon learning its impact, like the consequence of it. Um, and, and, and his father is someone who embraces all of that, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and so you see it, where they're at, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then I think it's just powerful the way it, it all kind of, again, talking about expectation, how we kind of began this conversation. Um, the father's not budging on you know, helping out with this situation and is also becoming threatening and more menacing. And again, do we go the way of John Wick <laughs> to, you know, to, to get our pig or do we go yeah. 
a completely unexpected, and it's it's one of those moments where you you realize really quick, basically by the title card of the third act um, of uh, what was it? A bottle. a bottle, a bird, and a salt. Right. A bottle, a bird, a salted baguette. A salted baguette. The second that pops on the screen, and and Cage says like, "Hey, we're getting we're getting my pig back." You know what he's doing, and it once that clicks, it to me a, a film that doesn't have many moments where it like warms your heart. Like to me, it almost like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is, this is lovely. What it's almost like a beautiful gesture of yes. what he's doing. And it's it not, a, it's not mean and malicious. No, it's communicating love and the memory of love. And yes. that when that's to me, when this movie becomes special um, I, with that piece, 100% yeah. agree. It, again, <laughs> You know, not knowing going in, right, that this was a, it's it's a film about food that's not about food. Yeah. Well, it's a film about a lot of things that's not about those things, right? It's like every yeah, well, little it's, thing it's, is like it's you a could film say. That, that, yeah, it's a film that, that is about a lot of things. A lot of things without being about one thing. Which this film is not about yeah. any of them. It's yeah, not about, it's, it's not yeah, about, yeah. It, it is about humanity. It's, yeah. it's about existence. It's about the pain and beauty of existence. It's about loss and love. Yeah. It's about seeking acceptance and rejecting acceptance. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's about defining your own path of success and meaning and learning that, that maybe society doesn't know what's best. And it, it, it makes all of this commentary with, never once being heavy handed mm-hmm. never once like tipping its cap and say like being over overzealous in it's it's sort of poignancy um but i love the fact that it focuses around food because when you think of memory and it, mm-hmm. sensory memories are the hardest memories to ever forget right your sense of smell and your sense of taste. Mm-hmm. While your your sense of taste may change over time, right? You still like it, if you ate Flintstone vitamins when you <laughs> were five years old, you know what a Flintstone vitamin tastes like. And if you taste anything that roughly has that flavor, right? That minerality, that irony yeah. quality, that that like citrusy, it, you. Be like, oh, this is this a little Flintstone vitamin. It's got a little bit of Flintstone Mm -hmm. vitamin to it, you know. It's we don't lose those memories. Those memories are more sound than the way we may have seen something, you know, or heard something. Um, and I thought the use of food Mm -hmm. to kind of as a through point for this film to comment on mindfulness and being present in life and and you know this love and loss right because maybe you had this amazing meal at a restaurant and you want to go back but four years later that restaurant doesn't exist anymore yeah you can't recreate that meal you might come close Mm -hmm. and i feel like that like that's 
where it really hit for me is is and and resonated was we do have memories and we do have things that we love and we latch onto those things and they're they hold they hold meaning for us and this is a film that points out that meaning may be fleeting and it may be something you can catch again but it also may be something that's completely gone right and in that that metaphor of existence it like it calm like again spoiler alert uh when we find out that this pig that he loved is dead and that's not a thing he can recreate like he can't get that back yeah yeah, it's not about right. finding the truffles. And he's like, I could always find and he's the truffles. Not, it, no, it was never I, about the truffles. I love the pig. Yeah. It was... Those are not feelings you can recreate. Like Those are not memories you can recreate. It's about being present. Yeah. And, in, and appreciating the time you have. It. I don't... I don't think this is a bleak film. No. At all. No, that's what I meant by the, yeah, with the end when he makes the meal for um, Adam Arkin, that he, you know, the the best moment of his memory with his wife when things were still good before she became ill and is seems like seeming on life support or whatnot. Yeah. Um, this is that, that, that last He's time. He's in a vegetative state. Yeah. That they remember, um, that Alex will remembers his father being happy. Um, well, he, he remembered like that was the only date night they ever came back from where they didn't come back fighting. Fighting, they, like, were happy. they came back and they were both elated. Yeah. And, and, and so that's said, why and, he knows Robin Feld's name. Yeah, and then that you know, that's why it kind of felt beautiful when he when when Nicholas when Rob made the the meal for them, and and just served it to him, and then the kind of emotional breakdown that Arkin has follows by the breakdown that Nicholas Cage has when he learns the fate of his pig. Yeah. Um, and then like, to your point of what this is, you know, enjoying the moments you've had and the life you've had the other kind of powerful line where I felt at the end is right before Nicholas Cage returns back to his home. Um, you know, they're sitting at that little coffee shop and he talks about, I wish, I wish I'd never known. Um, at this, you know, like I I, 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 I wish I could live in a world now where I thought the pig was still alive, even if I never sure. found the pig again. Um, yeah. And then the wisdom changes a bit, right? Then Alex Wolf kind of imparts on him, like, "Well, no, you still have what you experienced was real, and you know, it's something you still hold on to." Like, kind of paraphrasing, but but he imparts a little bit of the wisdom to help Nick Cage on that for a moment, because that's where he's having his little crisis of like. I, I wish I'd never found out. I wish I'd never even went on this journey. Right. To... Like I, I, I forced the issue mm-hmm. because I wanted to know, but I didn't want to know. I just wanted, yeah. I wanted the thing that was in my life to be back in my life. Mm-hmm. But then and that's that when he could be and then, and then yeah. we open up to the larger issue that Nicholas Cage's character is struggling with, which is the loss of his wife. Yes. Um, which then allows him to return back to his thing and play the cassette tape of her voice. Um, And the thing he could not do in the opening part of the movie. Um, And so I think all that, like you said, it's just, 
it's a it, it's not a bleak movie. I think it's a a, a beautiful movie, um, and I think that's why I think it's it's one of the greats as well. It's it, yeah, it the way it metaphorically addresses love and loss mm-hmm. and reclamation of oneself, um, h- however broken and battered that self may be at that point. We've all seen that. Like we, yeah. we that is that is part of the human condition. It's yeah. it's it's part of life. Yeah. Um, it's how, how well can you piece yourself back together when you? I mean, he goes through all stages of grief. Mm-hmm. Right, like in this process, there's there is the anger, there's the denial, there's the right it, and and he winds up at acceptance. Yeah, and it's I think for for a, a 92 minute long film about a truffle pig like it's brilliant yeah Same. I, just, I, I just think it's, I think it's brilliant I agree with you I, I do unquestionably think this is one of the greats yeah I'm, I'm fairly certain you know the critics that that report into Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, this is this is like the I think this is the highest rated Nick Cage film ever. Has to be, if not a crazy. And this, what's going to be interesting is like I like our end of the year where we kind of pick our you know top five favorite films. Um, it's like I'm already like all right, it's going to be a boring number one because uh, what's going to top this for both of us? Like you know like there's never to, to me it'd be shocking at this point if if if, if something tops pig so we'll see we'll see i, I, I mean it's it's i mean you picked first, cow last first yeah. cow. <laughs> that's what i mean um it, it's sublime <laughs> it's it's beautiful yeah it, it is a story about relationships and humanity and and you know <laughs> stacy is is constantly her it's just like and what does it come back to <laughs> And I'm like, don't do this to me. Yeah. She's like, what does it come back to? It's like, oh, it's capitalism. Um, <laughs> but it's, it, it, I would say with this one, I think it's less about capitalism and more just about, it. it is about humanity. It is about our relationships. It's the way we live in the world. It's what provides meaning to our existence. And it's, it, it's sublime. Yeah. Like it, it, it's a very sublime film that I think is beautifully executed. Yeah. And I think somebody said to it, I think like first cow, um, speaking beyond all that, just on a more superficial level as our podcast here, first cow was a particular film last year that kept popping up in conversation episode after episode. Um, Besides our dedicated episode of First Cow and the Council for the Greats, Pig has been the same thing. Pig, if we have mentioned it here and there over the course of, I think, like four episodes or so, um, maybe five it's counting possible. this one, yeah. leading up to like, oh, this it's happening. We got to talk about Pig. We got to see Pig. Oh, we saw Pig. Um, it's just been, it's been mentioned here and there um, to leading up. And, and, and to me, that's also a little sign of a, of a film that's 
I guess I guess you could say the same thing for Justice League. That keeps Snyder cut keeps popping up in our conversations but, too. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, I, I would say a difference. I'm only saying being, up, like it's been on our mind. Like it's been something yeah. we've we we just can't help stop. We can't stop ourselves from mentioning it from I time would, to time. This is this is one of the films that, as bleak as it may appear on the surface. It's reaffirming, mm-hmm. like it, it. It's comforting, um, in so many ways. Uh, I, I mean, I think to the the scene roughly 30, 40 minutes in, where you know, we're right around the. We're into, no, no, we're not into the second act. We're still in the first act. Um. But it's just before the second act, and we get the first sort of interaction with the Edgar character played by Darius Pierce, mm-hmm. where Rob comes in. He's like, Edgar looks up at him, and he's like, "I yeah, I know who you are," but he looks him dead in the face, and he's he's like, "You your name used to mean something, yeah. like you you used to you used to have value, like." You don't even exist anymore. And to think about that in the context of literally like someone who is clearly physically standing there who used to hold this weight and and whose name sends people clamoring, right, to make things happen, to be told like face to face, you don't even exist anymore. Yeah. Right. How would you react to that? Like, regardless of how old or how far removed you are from from whatever your legacy is, like, how how hurtful would it be? To be told you don't exist anymore. And this man in Zen like character merely looks at him and walks away. Mm -hmm. And it's, I, I don't know. It, it, I just, it's such a, it's such a metaphysical existential film and, and, and it for that reason falls into that first cow and i mean it just so happens we're i mean we're dealing once again dealing with livestock mm-hmm. um but man what a like what a I love some crazy ass Nick Cage films. Like, I don't get me wrong. I love early Nick Cage. I think mm-hmm. he's fantastic at raising Arizona. I think, you know, it, he he's in so many quintessential like '80s films. Um, takes this wild ride, like post like tax evasion, weird stuff, mm-hmm. and whatever happened with his accountant, but. Man, this one this one is a gem. It's a yeah. gem. No, it is. It's something special, unexpected. Um, 
love it. Yeah, I love, man, I I love it's, Pig. It's one of the greats. I so love Pig. The Pig, you know, hopefully if you made it this far with us, hopefully you've seen it. Um, if you haven't, you know, we've talked some spoilers, but I don't think it's it's definitely something that it's, it's plenty to see in there, no matter what goes down. So, Pig, one of the greats. I think it's a good little, glad we did this little uh, Pig Pickup podcast. But I think um, in the interest of time, we'll we'll uh, we'll, we'll pivot here, <laughs> taking it in a completely different direction as we we wrap up this episode. We're not going to do a game like we said. It's been a a more low key conversation, um, little little chat. But we do we should talk about up give some teasers for upcoming October. Um, we got all our, you know, I'm I'm, I'm sure we're going to see some in a row. Yeah, well, I was going to say I'm, I'm sure we saw. We're gonna see some good movies for the month of October, but it's 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 Halloween. It's it's horror movie month. Um, not gonna have things the count. I guess I'm dancing around like, look, we we like all types of movies, so we're gonna move in a different direction from Pig. But no, so we have some things coming up. Um, I do want to share. I kind of us finalize. I was kicking around this idea of a horror movie bingo card because you and I, we want to our goals. We do like a game. Yeah, we like games, but and we also watch a lot of movies. I think you hit your thirty-one movies, horror movies for October last year. I the I think I honestly believe that was the first time ever, and I think I I was able to to you know surpass that that thirty-one. I think you did, and I know I, I didn't get an exact number, but I think I came in. It was it was like twenty-eight, twenty-nine. I came close, um, but I didn't quite hit it. Um fully 31 but came close felt good about it so this year we're going to do the same thing we're going to have some focus films which we'll we'll tease a little bit here in a second um nothing major but just kind of tease where we're, we're still planning and programming but um i think we're going to bring back the old candy ratings of the things we're watching independently it was a, a blast love it radar movies based on sort of a quick if we're especially if we're sharing five or six movies we watched in the last week i mean if you're trying to watch you know 31 plus films in a month. Yeah. You, you got to have more than like one or two each week. Yeah. And we got to do a quick, a quick rating on that piece for sure. So while you're doing that, let me pull up my thing. All right. So, but, yeah, so we're going to do our, we'll do our candy ratings for all the films we're doing. Um, quick, quick candy ratings where we, we, we assign a, Random candy to whatever film we watch with it's a, it's a grab trick or treat grab bag yeah with with explanations limited um, as much as we feel explaining our our pick for that thing so we're doing that but to kind of help guide that viewing as well um and that discussion and to maybe you know listen when you're seeing thirty plus films a, a month each year for horror movies I wanted to find something to help guide our are watching and maybe broaden our selection. You know, you're getting you're getting two weeks in. You're like, oh man, what what should I watch? Another Teens in Peril film. So I wanted to do our little a bingo card. See if we can get bingo or fill up our cards. So Zombies. Here's I, yeah. So here's vampires, what I came, here's Slasher. What I, here's what I came up with, and we can make some quick adjustments um, before we lock this in. But I'll share my screen for our listeners to uh, see what we got too. So here was just some sitting at a sitting at an old restaurant 
the other evening and just typed up a little bingo card. So here's what we got. We can make, we can change some things, add some things, whatever. But here's what I was thinking. I wanted to find a mixture for our bingo card of just easy selections. Like, hey, this is a movie that'll hit this category. So done. But then some of them I just wanted, you might not know until it happens. Like you're watching this film and you're like, oh, wait, that's on my bingo card. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna slot this one in, but I and I do like the rule of one film per spot. So you can't think like one film, um, like so. I think Mandy, for example, we'll see in a minute, could satisfy a lot of these. <laughs> like Mandy is not gonna yeah, take. You, you gotta you gotta pick yeah. which which yeah. which box does Mandy fill? Well, so here's some of the things I pulled up. I with. loved it. <laughs> oh, go um, ahead. No, I just I love that there's there's a Lance Henriksen square. Nice. Yep. And that there's a Barbara Crampton square. You know it. <laughs> and I, you know. So, yeah, so I love it. So here's some of the squares. Like, and I'm not, I mean, a couple, like, for example, the Lance Hendrickson and Barbara Crampton, which you pointed out. Um, those are two ones I'm fairly attached to. But, um, yeah, just a couple things. Some of the tropes we see. I put no cell phone service. There's always something in modern day. Horror films, you got to well, address the cell phone problem. So that one, that one, I was like, could it just be no phone service? Because it, there are often those films where the phone yep. lines have yep. inexplicably been cut. Yeah, so we can just put no yet phone. People keep pushing. They're like, this, this doesn't seem to be working. I don't know why this is not. I don't. Right. Yeah. So I agree. It was something. It's in modern day horror films. You have to explain away. How what would easily solve your problems? Oh, yeah. Pick up the phone, call well, the police. You're in the middle of the woods of West Virginia with inbred cannibals. That's why your cell phone doesn't work. So we got that just kind of going down the, the, the B column, if you will. Neon colors. I mean, come on. Um, seems to be the go-to these days. If it's in neon, it's interesting. Again, Mandy is one that instantly comes to mind. But why not? Neon colors. We got the old remake slash reboot in here you're watching some sort of remake um i love a good horror movie that has some sort of satanic ceremony in it so this is one you're watching you're like oh my gosh satanic ceremony cool i'm gonna slot that one in <laughs> so we got that can't use it again nope i got the old cabin in the woods even though i have woods capitalized not to be confused with the film cabin in the woods but we all know there's the old cabin trope evil dead yeah. evil dead 2 yeah i hear it um, well, yeah, we'll see. Um, going on the next column, I got Masked Killer. Easy, classic. Um, I just wrote, next one, did someone say demons? At some point, demons show up. Sure. Black and white. Self-explanatory Lance Henriksen, we've mentioned. And then this one I wrote, rather large monsters. And we'll let you decide at what is rather large. But at some point, there's large monsters. Um, another column, we got Angry Mob, Covered in Blood, Flashback. Part three, like getting the old third film in a series. <laughs> um, and yeah, then, I mean, you got to love a good horror series. Yeah. And then uh, we won't be doing our, um, it's not currently slated as planned to do our A24 horror movie wheel thing like we did last year and ended up doing Black Coat's Daughter and Tusk. But A24 pl- has plenty of horror movies to choose from still. So we just got the True. A24 slot, goes to our roots. Um, we got Classic Monsters, Shopping Mall. There's always chopping some sort of, Hey, you could do Chopping Mall. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the film. Um, originally, I had Cave written down, which I crossed out Cave, changed it to Boiler Room, 
and then ended up on shopping mall. <laughs> just, explain, just explain the thought process. The logic is perfect. <laughs> I, I understand that progression seamlessly. Yeah. It's yes. That and works. In, and in each time I'm, I'm thinking of a particular film. So I just ended up on shopping mall. Yeah. Um, Wrote Italian horror at the time. We've talked about a bit of how we might take that in a, a direction for one of our focused episodes. Um, but we have that. Uh, just put bikers for a category. You know, why not? Again, I was probably thinking of Mandy at this point. Thus, we see neon, demon, neon there, demons there, and there bikers. There are demon bikers in Mandy. That's, that's true. <laughs> so, a lot of this I was thinking of Mandy. Um, you know, there's always a good horror comedy. Sometimes horror comedies are not good. But if you can put some laughs in there, you can put some laughs. And then um, New Line Cinema as a child. It was a horror movie, and that New Line Cinema logo popped up. I was always um, intrigued, so that was kind of my way to to kind of go back to... Uh, well, that one that one's always interesting. Wasn't that the... Wasn't that essentially like the Disney horror... Yeah, so there was sometimes a little more like kid friendly, whatnot. So just find a new yeah, line to the well, it's like It was like, yeah, we, I mean, we can't release that. We can't release that under the Disney yeah. like studio mm-hmm. logo. Let, what do we, let's put that out under new line. New line. So find a new line cinema. Uh, found footage was another one. We might have a found footage focused episode as well. So um, we might make adjustments to our bingo card if, if we do that. Barbara Crampton. Some sort of transformation. I like it. people mm-hmm. change into mm-hmm. something. And then the final category on the bingo card, part five. You're really digging deep into that series at this point. Um, I, are you, are you, you know what I would love yeah. to make it a little less predictable? All right. Is if we could find a way to shuffle this bingo card. Yeah. The, so that it's not it's, everyone's bingo card's the same. I think we could do that. I think we yeah, could I think we can too. All right. So here's what we do. That's kind of where our bingo cards. We're going to finalize this over the next few days. By the time this episode goes live, I love bingo... that we don't have a free space. By the way, listen, we originally did, but that got changed to flashback, right? But then if we shuffle, it doesn't matter because flashback currently isn't where the free space would be. And, and when then... you when you mentioned new, like when you mentioned New Line Cinema, yeah, I was like, oh man, what are what are other old horror labels? And I was like, Hammer, yeah. Hammer Cinema, like British horror. Uh, oh, wow. I'm sure there are others I'm, I'm missing. Uh, I mean, obviously, like Canon. Uh, yeah, which we'll talk about here in a second. Which we will, yep. <laughs> yeah, so in that one, some, some, and some of it, it was like New Line I know popped up. I'm like, oh, I was going to write 80s horror as a category. I'm like, no, let's write New Line Cinema. Um, and you can work in there. But no, so by the time this is live, we'll have that bingo card. We'll be, you know, you can find it on our Instagram. Um, and you can easily find it. We'll post it on our website, leagueofthegreats.com, which you can also find links to all our social media and whatnot. So you can also do your own bingo card if you would like, but we'll definitely be doing it. We'll be extending it to our various guests if they're interested in playing during the month of October. But I know the two of us will definitely be trying our best to knock this thing out. I mean, I would, I would say, look, you, you got a suggestion for a horror film or series we should really talk about. Reach out. Yeah, Grace Movies Podcast at gmail.com or 
find us on the social medias at find the links on on Instagram, leagueofthegreats.com. Shoot us a message. Twitter. And speaking of that, we'll end on, we'll end on this. Give us your suggestions. We have a couple, we're going to have some familiar faces returning to the podcast that, you know, um, that were with us in last October. We're going to have some new friends of the show, um, from our, our dark and distant past and mysterious past, um, bringing them in. But then we're also going to have some like 100% guests, like folks that were just like, we don't know you, but we want to be on your podcast. Yeah, we like hot and fresh. Or vice versa. They don't know us, but we want them to be on our podcast. <laughs> hot, hot and fresh guests. So yeah, you mentioned Canon Film um, a, a few minutes ago. There is the author of the book, Canon Film Guy. You mean literally the guy who wrote the book on Canon Films? It's the dude who wrote the book on Canon Films. Um, His name is Austin Turnick. He's written volume one, volume two, and these are like 500 page, like epics, like everything you want to know about Canon Films. Extensive. And it's a a planned three volume set. And I think volume two is, is, is currently nearing um, production and printing, but volume one's out there. He's going to, he's going to be on there. We're going to focus on um, some Toby Hooper films and as well as just kind of discuss some other Canon horror, Uh, but he will be a guest on the show for October as well as from the band Wolf face, Michael J. Wolf um, will also be joining us. And uh, we hope to um, talk horror movies with him as well. We, we hope he will become friend of the show, Michael J. Wolf. Yeah, it has to happen. Um, so yeah, so that, uh, again, with uh, uh, in addition to some of our familiar faces and new faces to the show, um, those will be kind of our two special guests for the month of October as well, bringing in some extra spectacular horror movie fun for us. Horrific. Horrific, yeah. So yeah, so uh, tune in. That stuff's coming probably within a week or so with this episode, and we have like four or five episodes planned um, for that. We're kind of getting October. some of the yeah, we're we're getting some of the formatting and episodes finalized, but you can definitely expect it to all get kicked off with uh, those canon films for sure. So start tracking down your canon movies. Yeah, I mean, and and who knows? Like, I mean, much like last year, I, I think we're bound to have some. Some new random guests pop yeah. in. That's what I mean. Yeah, or maybe bring a film, maybe bring a genre, maybe bring a series. Yeah. We'll so we see. have a couple of cool ideas. We're gonna bring some back some of the stuff from last year, some of that. So get ready. It's gonna be a ride. So that's the next four or five episodes coming for a greatest movie. So start start getting ready. Well, Jesse, this has been fun. It has. I've I've enjoyed talking pig. I I'm sure we missed some things. Oh yeah, listen, we could probably talk for another two hours about pig. Uh, I do. Whether you whether you like it, Nick Cage or not, I think it's the film worth watching. No question. Is it a perfect film? No. Is it a film that's worth your time? And is it? Is it a is it a holy form vision of a story? Yes, that's what that's what I would say. I agree. No, I think everybody should watch Pig, young or old. 
Get in there. Do it. And then watch get, Pig. Get your snout in the dirt. Dig up the truffles. Watch Pig and then start watching a crap load of horror movies. So Yeah. Join us for that. That's, that's where we're going. Yeah. Um, get, get something nice and, and, and wonderful. Get that experience locked in. Pig. Then just go down. Just then go down the hell trough after that. Life affirming pig, and and then delve into <laughs> the the diet, like the just the the dark basement of humanity in your horror watching. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm excited. All right, me too. All right, this has been good. Next time we'll we'll be chatting. Um, bunch of canon films. Uh, I mean, it's it's, it's Hooper Fest. Yeah, it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Just so people know, get ready. Texas Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, Life Force, Invaders from Mars. Love it. Can't wait. Plus some other canon magic mixed in, but those are our three focus. All right? Thank you. I appreciate this. Let's get going. We'll close this thing out. Um, I think we're ending with piano music on this time. Love it. I have a soft piano. Yeah. Maybe some very soft classical. But not blaring from a canary yellow camera with with instruction on how to appreciate it. All right, I think we're ready. Oh, it's going to be a it's going to be a more subdued opening. Sub, 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 sub dudes. Some dudes. Dudes. dudes opening. Some dudes. dudes. Sub sub dudes. Sub dudes. Sub dudes or sub dudes. Either way. Sub dudes. Beneath right. the dudes. Beneath the dudes. Or dudes from the dudes from beneath. <laughs>